Now, I decided to go on an ayah journey, and I took the first question that Jack asked me, and I asked it to whatever it was I was communicating with, and that started something insane. For seven hours straight, I felt like I was talking to God and the universe. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Now, this episode is brought to you by CamillaOrganics.com. Camilla, as in C A M I L L A, organics.com. And this is an incredible website where you can go to get some really good CBD oil. So before we start this podcast, let me just tell you why I wanted to mention this website and this business. A couple of days ago, while I was at home during quarantine, I have weights all across my room. So when I'm in a meeting or a business call, I am using weights, right? Just to keep my body fit because I can't go out where I'm at in the country I'm in. You can't even go jogging. 14 joggers on my street were arrested. So the only way to stay healthy is to have these weights in my room and to get on these weights when I'm in a business call. However, one of the weights I was using was a 20 kilogram piece that was ridiculously heavy. And I was in a business call and I lost concentration and I cracked my back as I put it down. To be more exact, I sprained a back muscle. So I was in intense pain. And so one of the things I do when I have these types of pain or when I need to sleep because I have an important day coming up is I use Camilla Organics. This is a CBD oil and there are many different brands of CBD oil, but this is one of my favorites. It's by a member of our Mind Valley community. And I really wanted to give a shout out to Camilla Organics and to also ask you guys to check this out. It's really amazing. And the oil was originally created to help women with period pains, but you can apply this for any type of pain. It's also remarkable for helping you go to bed. And CBD oil was illegal because it's extracted from hemp. It was illegal several years ago, but now it's being legalized in almost every country and you can order it online. And it's just an amazing product. And they're the sponsors of this podcast. So I wanted you to go check it out. Camilla, C-A-M-I-L-L-A, organics, O-R-G-A-N-I-C-S.com. I've been buying this for my mom, for my friends, for everyone who needs to sleep better or who needs pain relief. And I know that in a time of fear and anxiety and stress, this is really useful to a lot of people. So go check it out, CamillaOrganics.com. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Valley Podcast. Today's topic, gosh, I've, it's not something I talk about often, but it has to do with plant medicine. So I just had 10 days ago one of the most mind blowing experiences of my life. And it happened because of a conversation I was having with Jack Canfield. Now, first, some context. If you haven't heard of Jack Canfield, you probably have never walked into a bookstore because Jack Canfield is a guy whose books, The Chicken Soup for the Soul series, has sold over 100 million copies. He's a legend in the field of personal growth. He's the founder of the Transformational Leadership Council, and he is the author of numerous books 
just get online and Google Jack Canfield and you'll see what I'm talking about. So Jack has had a profound influence on my life because not only is he probably the best-selling author of our generation, I mean, a hundred million Chicken Soup for the Soul books have been sold, but Jack also started the Transformational Leadership Council, which is a group that brings together many of the top minds, the top writers, the top coaches in health, wellness, and business. And as a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, or TLC, I've met many allies who have joined the Mind Valley mission. Thanks to Jack, I became close friends with Lisa Nichols, who's like a sister to me, to Eric Edmeets, who founded WildFit, to Marie Diamond, who has changed my life, to Sonia Choquette, who's become a Mind Valley author and a close friend. So this man has introduced so many amazing souls into my life and therefore into Mind Valley, and I owe him a great debt of gratitude. So first, welcome Jack Canfield onto the Mind Valley podcast. How are you doing today, Jack? I am excited to be with you, Vishan. It's a very exciting topic. And I was just saying about how you've influenced Mind Valley's growth indirectly, right, through the authors that you've brought into our fold. But one of the probably the greatest gifts that I've gained from you, Jack, is the reintroduction to ayahuasca. So I did ayahuasca 10 years ago, and I decided to do it in the wildest way possible. I flew to the Amazon rainforest. I spent time there with a shaman and I did it in the deep jungle. And I did it with, I guess, a little bit too many people because the eye was a bit diluted. And all I had was, I saw fractals. I puked a lot. I saw fractals. I laid on the rainforest floor and just had this fun enjoyment with fractals. But if I weigh the pros and cons, the savage puking and purging, and the mild fractals, I probably thought, eh, not something I'd want to do again. So I resisted ayahuasca for about 10 years until last month, Jack, when we were talking in Panama City. We were there for a session of the TLC. And you spoke about how you're now taking people to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca. And you shared with me the proper approach, how you are facilitating these trips, what happens on these trips, and the three questions that you get people to ask. Now, I decided to go on an Aya journey, and I took the first question that Jack asked me, and I asked it to whatever it was I was communicating with. And that started something insane. For seven hours straight, I felt like I was talking to God and the universe. I got step-by-step blueprint, UX, AI algorithm, a new app that I needed to build to bring better unity into the world and help people with mental illness. And it was so specific, I was stunned because I've been in design sprints with my engineering team. I've never conceived of something in this much detail. So I went back, I brought in some artificial intelligence engineers and we've started building the app and already seeing really interesting success that's pointing us in the right direction. So I wanted to firstly thank you publicly, Jack, for introducing me to this. And now I wanted to give you the floor so you can talk about why you're so into Aya and plant medicine, what you believe are its gifts to the world, and perhaps, if you're open, share with us what happens in Costa Rica and the three questions. Sure. My first experience was actually very similar to yours. I was with Lynn Twist in the rainforest with the Pachamama Alliance, with the Achuar, and lying on the jungle floor, as you said, lying on a banana leaf, looking up at the stars. And I had the fractal experience you did, but then I had an experience that was very much like going through the It's a Small World ride at Disneyland, where I would be 
getting all these downloads, like you were saying, of like how I can be a better father, how I can be a better husband, how I can be a better partner to my business partner, like Patty Aubrey and so forth. I was starting to get attached to like, oh, this is really great information. And as soon as I would do that, I'd turn around the corner and I'd be in another vision would start coming through to me. So I realized it was in control, not me. And I came back to the United States and I did a lot of integrating of that material into my life. And it really changed the relationships. It changed my own meditation practice and so forth. And then about, I'd say nine years later, something like that, maybe eight years later, I did a very short journey with ayahuasca where we actually inhaled it rather than drank it. It was only about a 45 minute journey. But what was amazing about it, it came on very quickly. I don't know, five minutes into, I hear this voice, like in the entertainment world, they call it the voice of God. The one that says, ladies and gentlemen, turn off your cell phones. The show will begin in a minute. And this voice said, you are about to experience what very few people on earth will ever experience. And then there was this like explosion of light. It was like white, gold, lavender light that just exploded out like the Big Bang. And then it was total darkness total peace, total quiet. There was no me. There was no it. There was just pure bliss. And I remember before I went into it, the shaman said, you have to make a commitment that you'll come back. And I said, well, why would I need to do that? He said, just make the commitment. Look me in the eye and say, you will come back. And then look your wife in the eye who was there with me. It was just the two of us and said, tell her you'll come back. So I'm in there and I realized at some point, I don't want to come back. <laughs> this is absolute, perfect, pure bliss. Why would anyone leave this? But I remembered I'd made the commitment, so I came back. And as I was coming out, I was just crying, thank you, thank you. My wife said, you were just crying like a baby, just saying thank you. And I was saying thank you. If I died now, having had that experience was enough to realize there really is this unified field of peace and love and just all oneness. And then about uh, last November, my wife and I went down to a place called Rhythmia in Costa Rica, which you referenced, and was started by a man who was an alcoholic, a drug addict, by his own definition, an asshole. His definition of a good time was snorting cocaine off the ass of a hooker. And he basically was like just addicted to trying to release the pain that he experienced. And he was about to commit suicide after three attempts at rehab. And as soon as he would leave rehab, he'd go and end up drinking alcohol again, literally drive right to a bar after three attempts in this rehab in Malibu. And so he was in such pain, he decided he would commit suicide. And a friend said, before you commit suicide, go to Costa Rica and do plant medicine. So he went down to Costa Rica and there was this guy named Muganda, who was an African shaman who took him on a journey with something called Ibogaine or Iboga. I know that because my son, I got divorced when he was very young, grew up with a mother who was a little bit not there, and he had become a drug addict. And it was the one thing that got him to stop. A buga. Yeah, it's an African root plant. So it's also a form of plant medicine, but it's now being used to treat addiction. Exactly. And that's what happened for my son. He was in and out of rehab three times as well. And what happened for him is he saw his life pass before him, his entire life, saw all of the patterns of how he'd become who he'd become and became teachable for the first time. And literally he's been in the AA and has been sober now for, I think, 15 years. And so it was very successful for him. Anyway, same thing happened with the guy who started Rhythmia. Iboga basically said to him, take ayahuasca. So he did, and he never had another drink. 
he stopped womanizing, he stopped taking drugs, and he's decided, because he was a millionaire, I think he sold a company for like 93 million, something like that. He decided to open up a center in Costa Rica. It's a very powerful place. There's always a doctor on board, so it's very safe. My wife had a little bit of low blood pressure when she went there, and they had to work with her to make sure she was okay. So I really love how safe they've made it medically. So Rhythmia, Rhythmia, from what I understand, this is where you take people, like groups of 40 or so, I believe you said. So I've never been there, but I've heard great things about it. So is that a spa? Is that a facility? Does it focus just on Aya or other healing modalities and plant medicine? It's focused just on Aya. There's also breathing work. There's yoga every morning. There's meditation. There is a spa, as you said. I had several massages when I was there. You do colonics while you're there all to prepare the body to cleanse it in such a way that it's ready to deal with the medicine. There's organic diet. It's mostly a plant-based diet, but there usually is a little bit of fish or chicken if you or eggs if you want to eat that. But the thing that really makes it magical, in my opinion, and you referred to it, are the three questions that are the three intentions that you have when you're there. The first intention is to show me who I've become. You do journeying four nights in a row. And the first two nights for me, that was exactly what happened. I got to see every place where I was not the essential, loving, pure being that I could be. I got to see where I wasn't the perfect father, that wasn't the perfect husband, wasn't the perfect business partner. I got to see how even though my life is primarily directed towards service, there was this little egoistic, the way I saw it was this pure beam of service with this vine of ego around it. And I got to see all the childhood wounds that created my compensatory behaviors that were ego-driven. For example, the first night I got to see, my dad was in the Air Force, and he was 24, my mom was 20 when I was born, and I used to cry like all babies cry. My dad couldn't handle the crying because it basically stimulated his uncried tears. That wasn't very macho. So he said to my mom, put Jack out in the car. Let him stop crying out there. So they put me in the car, and then my mom would go back in the house, so I'd be crying because I needed something, either holding feeding, changing diaper, whatever, and nobody responded. So in a preverbal age, I decided there's no point in asking for what I want. Nobody's going to give it to me. So if I want what I want, I'm going to have to manipulate to get it. I'm going to have to do something different than just be myself. And so that began this part of me that, you know, literally, if I want a hug, I don't ask. I just create a hug process in a training, and then everyone gets up and hugs, and I get a hug. If I want more love, I talk about the process in a training where we all acknowledge each other. So basically, I was doing beautiful work, but there was this strain of I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, I have to do more. And here I've written or edited over 209 books. I have read over 300 books all coming from a place of, I'm not enough. There's a kind of saying to God, was that enough books? Have I read enough now? Do I know enough now? And so I got to look at that in a very difficult and painful way. So it's a seven-day process at Rhythmia. I believe you told me day one and day two, we're doing breath work. And then day three, four, five, and six, you do Aya, and then there's one recovery day. Yes, correct. So you're doing four days of Aya out of the seven days. And on that first day, you are reflecting on that question, show me who I have become. Yes, and really kind of showing me where have I become an asshole. I think that's the clearest way to say it. Wow, okay, so that's clear. I like that. It's not stated that way, but I think that was the least experience for me. The other thing that showed up for me was when I was about 10, I wanted to go to a movie. My dad didn't want me to go. He wanted me to go to a picnic. I didn't want to go on the picnic. They were just going to drink and whatever. So I snuck out of the house and went and earned some money and went to the movie. 
And my dad caught me and brought me home and basically beat my butt really hard. And I refused to cry. I was not going to give him the pleasure of watching me cry. And so what I did was I just didn't cry. And I realized it arrhythmia with the ayahuasca that I had shut down when I was 10, never really opened up again. And so I had never really cried. Here I was 75 years old. So for 65 years, I hadn't cried. And there was this purging you mentioned where I needed to throw up and let myself cry. And it was as if the Hulk and Wayne the Rock Johnson were having this arm wrestling match. Part of me wanted to throw up, part of me didn't. And it was really, really painful. And I finally threw up. And I cried for like probably 20 or 30 minutes, just all these tears I had never cried. So I have my emotions are much more available to me. And I realized without that level of intimacy and vulnerability and transparency, I couldn't really connect with my wife and my children at the level I wanted to. All of that came from that first question in one day. Yes, yes, yes. So let's give some context to the people who might be new to Aya. And how long was that experience? How long were you in that stage? So basically what happens at Rhythmia is during the day you're doing yoga, you're eating, you're talking to people, you're sleeping, you're doing whatever you do. And then at night around seven o'clock, you show up at this pavilion and everybody has a mattress and a a bucket in case you're going to throw up and a pillow and a blanket and some toilet paper. And then you ingest the ayahuasca. It takes about 30 minutes to 40 minutes before it really takes over. You're lying there on your pillow. You mentioned fractals. I started seeing fractals or I saw beads of beautiful, like millions of little luminescent beads up like in a dome ceiling, like in the Vatican or something that just kept changing with the music and the sound system there and the music that's played is unbelievable. There must be a speaker every four feet along the, the ceiling. And then eventually you start to have this journey where the mother ayahuasca can speak to you. And, and they say at Rhythm, there's four things that can happen to you. Number one, you're going to get these light shows. Number two, you're going to have images and memories, like I just described about my own childhood. Number three, you're going to get teaching where you're just instructed, like you got downloads of information. Sometimes the teaching comes from what they call mother ayahuasca or the plant medicine. And sometimes it comes from Jesus or Muhammad or Buddha or your grandfather or something like that. But it's just just pure wisdom. Sometimes you can have psychic healings, like several people. I asked for one. It was very interesting. I said, I had a ruptured disc in my lower back. And I said, you know, could you give me a new spine? And the medicine said to me, I'll give you a new spine if you'll use it. Meaning if you'll stand up and stop being a wuss around certain issues and certain people. And so I made that commitment, and my spine is like, you know, 90% better. You can ask for healing while you're under ayahuasca. Yeah, a good friend of mine who you know, Lise Chanel, asked for a healing in her stomach area. Literally, she said, there's this movie where there's this thing called Minions. They look like little fire hydrants. And she said there were like thousands of Minions that showed up with little scissors and were cutting things out of her stomach. A healing occurred there. People have healed from cancer. People have had all kinds of healings occur. That's amazing. The fourth thing that can happen is called a nada, which means nothing. You know, some people just kind of fall asleep. They don't have any awareness. One person who was there, you have an integration period the next day. The journey usually starts around eight at night and goes till like one or two in the morning. And then the next day in around 10 or 11, there's an integration session. And she said, I didn't have anything happen. And he said, well, just tell Mother Ayahuasca tonight that you'd like to have something you're aware of. So that night, this big cobra shows up and says, okay. You think that nothing's happening. Actually, there's a lot happening. I've been saving you because it's pretty terrible stuff, horrible things to look at. So, but I'll show you what you've been missing. And she had this 
extraordinary, horrendous experience for about an hour. And then it stopped. And then this Cobra came back and said, so do you want to keep having that kind of experience or would you rather just coast a little bit and let me do the work? And she said, I'll just coast. <laughs> and so the work goes on even if you're not aware of it. So that's something really interesting, right? Which I want to share with the audience that's listening to us right now. There's about 50,000 people listening. So the first question you ask yourself, show me who I have become, right? I did a variation of that question. Before my Aya trip, I had been talking to Professor Sri Kumar Rao, who's one of our philosophers and teachers here at Mind Valley. I know him. He's cool. Yeah, he's he's a really cool guy. So he was talking about how the theories of a Hindu sage that he studies, and that the idea here is that life is about being radiantly alive. It's about surrender, but not just surrender, but being radiantly alive doing whatever you're doing. So I asked Mother Aya, or whatever that force is, at first I was going to ask the question, show me who I have become. But I decided I wanted to spin the question a bit. I wanted to ask something along the lines of, show me how to be radiantly alive while doing whatever the universe needs me to do. That was it. And the response I got, now this is what is really interesting. This force of, of whatever was talking to me was so on point, it was so specific, and it was so damn confident. It literally said this, right? It said, you really want to know? Okay, take notes, buddy, because you're going to go on a joyride. And then for four hours straight, step by step, it tore apart certain aspects of my Mind Valley business plan and showed me how to recalibrate it. And I was blown away because I saw screens, I saw apps, I saw technologies, I saw algorithms. It told me who to talk to, who to call, which experts in the fields of this particular tech I needed to string together. And it was so on point and it made me make certain promises that were good for the world but may not necessarily be good for the business. For example, it suggested that we need to make our programs more affordable to the poor. It suggested that I need to make an oath if I want to continue getting support from the universe, I need to make an oath that I will never operate like Facebook or Google and sell private user data to advertisers. And I was like, wow, that's really specific. And then it showed me the terms of agreements to put on the website so I will protect the user data. I'm like, come on. And then it showed me a Super Bowl ad a Super Bowl ad for this new product that I'm going to create. And it was pure poetry. Wow. I mean, so it was from scientific algorithms to poetry. I've never experienced anything like that. And it went on for four hours. What I found most interesting about it, Jack, was that before and after the IR experience, things were happening in the universe to prepare me for it and to prepare me for this download. And that's what I couldn't understand. It wasn't just the IR experience synchronicities and coincidence were happening before I went into Aya and after I came out of Aya. And I'll talk more about that later. But my question to you is, what do you think is going on? I think there is a wisdom in the universe. I'm reading a book right now by a woman named Pam Grout, A Course in Miracles. You've probably heard of A Course in Miracles. And she writes a very kind of hip version of that because she's gone through it four times. And there's a voice. She calls it the dude because she doesn't want to say God because God comes with a lot of baggage. It's more baggage than O'Hare Airport. But the reality is that I think we all have access to this wisdom that's out there. And I think what ayahuasca does is it breaks down the barrier in the mind so that the mind can receive that input. And whether we see it as the universe or wisdom, or Mother Aya, or God, or Jesus, or Muhammad, or Buddha, or you know whatever. I think it's just always there, but our mind is so 
constricted with our beliefs and our stories and our history and our conditioning that we're not usually able to access it. I usually ask the question, what's the next step in my own spiritual growth that I need to take right now? But with the three questions at Rhythmia, I did get to see who I'd become. And the second question is merge me back with my soul, no matter what the cost or second intention matter. And then the third one is heal my broken heart. So on the third night, I actually finally had this merging back with my soul. And it was funny because I remember I, I had to surrender to my soul. And I remember saying to my soul, you know, the reason I've never surrendered to one path, one guru, one religion is the fear that, you know, you would ask me to wear orange robes and go over to UCLA and chant Hare Krishna and sell my house. I don't want to do that. You know, I, I really like my house. And so then I started getting these bubbles like you see in a movie and you have little bubbles when people are texting each other. My soul said, I'm not going to ask you to sell your house. And I said, good. And then she said, I don't know why I think of it as she, but I thought it was she. She said, I won't ask you to do anything you wouldn't want to do for at least a year so you can relax and just follow my lead. So I said, great. And so I surrendered to my soul. I said, okay, you're in charge. I'm not going to try to run this anymore. And then she says, okay, great, sell your house. I said, wait a second, we had a deal. And then she said, just (laughs) kidding, just testing you. Anyway, it was a very humorous conversation that went on between me and my soul. That's what I found most interesting about it. You know, I don't know if you've ever read the book Conversation with God with Neil Donald Walsh. Of course I have, yes. So in the book, Neil is having a download with this entity, with God, and God is so freaking funny. And I noticed that about Aya. This universal force had a ridiculously accurate and funny sense of humor. It was confident. It was powerful. It knew exactly what it needed you to do. But it was funny as hell. Yeah. And I think that true love is humorous. You know, there's a lot to laugh at and there's a lot of joy to be had. I'll just finish off this little model and then we can talk more generally. But the third intention is to heal my broken heart. In the last night, you can go up for what they call a second bowl or a third bowl of ayahuasca, you know, about three in the morning, whatever. We went from uh, nine at night till dawn the next day, the last night with the amazing shaman from Columbia. So I go up for the third bowl very reluctantly. My body's going like, are you really doing this? Are you really <laughs> throw up again or whatever? And I get the third bowl. I come back to my mattress. I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden in the distance, I see this light coming at me. All of a sudden, it turns into Christ on a cross, like the Pope wearing a gold cross. It was an inanimate gold, very ornately carved cross of Jesus. And I'm not particularly Christian, although I did grow up that way. Anyway, it's coming at me. And then my third eye starts to throb. I can really feel it, like in my head, like it's starting to throb. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is not on the cross. He's coming at me, walking white robes, like a big fan in front of him, like you see in the movies, like when they have the fan making all the things move. And it's really beautiful. Walks right into my third eye. And then I had this explosion of energy, kind of like a Shakti pot they describe in the East. And then I fell asleep. For I don't know how long, could have been 30 minutes, could have been two hours. When I woke up, the sun was up. Everyone was, most people were outside. I went outside and everyone said, whoa, what happened to you? Everything I saw looked like Christ energy, Buddha energy, Buddha consciousness, God energy. And, you know, the plants, I think I looked at one cactus for about 20 minutes, just communing with this cactus plant, realizing it and I were the same energy. We're both life force. It was amazing. The other thing that happened that morning is my wife had a a shaman remarried us, which was one of the most amazing ceremonies I've ever experienced. So my wife and I are at the best place we've ever been in our entire life. 
So that's how that journey ended for me, which was amazing. So I did merge back with my soul. I surrendered to it. I listen every day to the inner voice and I follow what it says. Sometimes it makes no sense, but I do it anyway. And it's all working out. Everything's like a miracle right now. That's amazing. Okay. So the first question is show me who I have become. Mm -hmm. The second question is reunite me with my soul at all cost. Yes. Right. So if you ask this question, you got to be prepared for some disruption in your life. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think so. It's like, you know, whatever it takes. I remember lying on my mattress before that happened, reconnecting with that intention and desire and just thinking it's too hard. This life is so hard alone. But when you realize that there's this force that can guide you, that knows what's best for you, that always has your best interest in mind that is setting things up. Like you said, there were things happening in your external world before you even had the ayahuasca journey that were leading you toward this new decision of how to run your country. I just now believe that that's the case, but our ego and our fear is so big that we don't really realize that. And so we kind of resist it because it just makes no logical sense sometimes when we hear the things. I'm like you, I'm trying to make all of my classes much more affordable, also doing a lot of scholarships, making it available to people, and looking like you at how do we reach more and more people around the world. Like I've now trained 3,500 certified Campfield trainers that are doing workshops in India. One of the guys, I was just in India for a month, just got back a week ago, and he's trained 125 trainers on my work and his work with the subconscious mind. And one of the things he's requiring all of them to do is they have to do two free workshops a month for people who can't afford them. So now we have about 25,000 people a month getting free training from my work. It's not really my work, but the work that's identified with me that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So yeah, we're constantly looking at how do we scale that out to the world. That's beautiful. Now the third question is heal my heart. Heal my broken heart. Heal my broken heart. But that question is what confuses me. Doesn't it assume that you have a broken heart? What if your heart is pretty good? Like, what does that question actually mean? I think that everybody has a broken heart. I think everybody's felt like they've been let down. Their parents were there for them. Their boyfriend left them, whatever. And so that we all have these wounds. And then as a result of the wounds, we basically try to protect ourselves from being hurt again. And then we're not vulnerable. We don't ask for what we want. We're not transparent as a result of it. I see. And then on the fourth day, I believe you said there is no question. It's the nada day where you just let anything happen. No, no, no. The, I'm saying there's four things that can happen. They can happen any day. Okay, but you're doing ayahuasca for four days, right? Yeah, yeah. The questions are basically, you, you might go through all three of those intentions the first night. Some people probably, you know, did it the second night, the third night. It took me four nights to get through it all. The timing was exquisite. I think there's a line in the secret from John Hagelin, the physicist, who says the power of an intention is the square of the number of people holding the same intention at the same time. We had 50 people in the room. So when you have 50 people holding the same intention, the square of that is 2,500. That's a lot of intention. A lot of people will do ayahuasca more like in a garage or someone's basement, you know, in America where it's not legal yet. And they don't often have the same level of unified intention. And so people have all kinds of experiences which are all pretty valuable from what I've heard. But nevertheless, I think having that unified intention that they do at Rhythmia is very powerful. And they say when you come back, like I'm going back, I'm taking a group back there again in November of this coming year, I will probably start with your question, which I like to just see what happens. I'll keep my notebook handy and a flashlight so I can take notes. <laughs> and my question was, 
show me how to be radiantly alive while fulfilling my soul's purpose. One of my friends mentioned how he was on Aya and he had so many downloads come to him, but he couldn't take them down in time because you're in a different state. Writing is hard and it breaks that flow. So he kept calling the guide and asking the guide if the guide could take notes. And that didn't work well as well because you're not going to be able to be your most lucid self. But this was the interesting thing that happened to me. As I said, there, are, there were coincidences that happened before and after Aya. And this is what I couldn't understand. It's almost as if I was set up. While I was flying to LA for what was going to be this experience, I was on a plane and I watched a movie called The Current Wars. And the movie was about Edison and Tesla. And there was a scene in the movie where Tesla invents the AC motor. And George Westinghouse goes to Tesla to buy the AC motor. And he says, well, do you have a working copy? And Tesla goes, it's all in my head. And George Westinghouse goes, that's nonsense. How do you know it's going to work if it's only in your head? And Tesla goes, I built, I tested it in my head. Of course it works. And Westinghouse paid him and it changed America, right? Tesla conceived, produced, prototyped it, tested it all in his head. Now, as I was watching that movie, I started thinking, wow, I wonder if we all can do that. Now, the interesting thing was, it was almost as if the universe had set me up to watch the current war because when I was Getting this download, all of a sudden, this memory came back in and it said, you don't need to worry about a notebook or a pen. You will remember it all. We all have the same capabilities as Tesla. And true enough, I remembered four hours straight of downloads. It was remarkable. And then coming out of that Aya trip, it was weird because I would bump into the right people to make that vision a reality. And I'd share the vision with them. And they were like, I'm on board. I want this. This is good for the world. It was almost like it was a grand setup by the universe to get me to do something that I guess was part of my soul's desire. So to me, it was a beautiful experience, but I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't told me about Rhythmia and what you experienced. So again, thank you for that. Well, when the world's totally transformed because of what you do, I'll take a little credit for it. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Jack, I want to ask you this though. So I, as a class of plant medicine, right? And last year I'd done peyote. Peyote was wonderful. I did it with Native American shamans in Joshua Tree. Peyote was wonderful. Not as powerful as Aya, but wonderful. But why are these things illegal in the United States? I am not sure. I think it's because people are afraid of being out of control, afraid of having us being out of control. In other words, when you have a population that is living in fear, then what happens is you can control that population. You see it happening in America. You see it happening all across the world right now with a lot of autocratic leaders. I remember when I developed the self-esteem in the classroom curriculum years ago, Ted Kennedy, who was a senator at the time, thought it was a really good thing and we were going to take it to some African nations. And one African nation basically refused to let us put it in the schools because they said, we don't want our population to believe that they can do anything because then we can't control them. That was a statement from a leader in an African country. And so I think when you become awakened, become enlightened, and you have that many people that are out there empowered, then it's scary to the people that are empowered that want to control us. I mean, there's all kind of information. For instance, there's some people that believe that the fluoride that's in our water actually helps keep our brains in such a state that we're more controllable. I've not really delved into that one too much, but it wouldn't surprise me that that's the case. I think that's the main reason. And I think back in the 30s and 40s and 50s, there was this whole big scare about marijuana that they did. Government released all these movies 
and talked about how people would do terrible things. And I think people see the destruction that people do under alcohol, you know, in terms of violence, losing control and creating crimes and being violent and so forth. And I think they imagine that these class A drugs will do the same thing. It's not at all what happens. I mean, people on marijuana don't go out and rob banks. You know, it's like people on ayahuasca are basically... When we finished our journeys every night, we would sit around for two or three hours just basically sharing, loving each other. You know, it brings about love and joy and connection. And I think that people are afraid of that. And I think what's also going on is that the language that we use really limits our understanding of these things, right? We've been trained as a society to clump alcohol, drugs, and plant medicine all under one language, right? Drugs, and we call them all drugs, but they are such different things. I was reading a book recently called How Emotions Are Made. The author of the book suggests a really interesting theory that our language causes us to perceive the world. So for example, in the English language, there's one word for anger. In the Russian language, there are two words for anger. You can be angry towards a person or you can be angry towards something generic, like a political situation. Being angry towards a person can be seen as a negative thing. Being angry towards, you know, the politics sucks is absolutely fine, but you can differentiate that. But in the English language, there's only one word for anger. So a politician can get up there and be angry about, you know, civil rights or something. And he's deemed angry and he's judged for that because in the English language, we are limited because we have only one word for anger. So everything is judged based on this one word. Likewise, we look at drugs and they are bad drugs, drugs that can really mess you up, like heroin, cocaine. And then there's marijuana, which has medicinal qualities. And then there's ayahuasca and peyote and ibuga, plant medicine. But we clump it all into one word. And it confuses our meaning and our notion of it. No, I think it's true. We really have to start making a distinction between natural substances that are from nature and the ones that we have made up like LSD and things like that that are chemical. But as you say, even heroin comes from a natural plant. But the point being, to make those distinctions are really important. And it's worse in other parts of the world. I just heard from a Romanian listener that in Romania, a teacher who was taking people on ayahuasca trips was jailed for 10 years for dealing drugs. That was how the government and the police perceived it. But that's ridiculous because this is such a beautiful spiritual experience. It's a healing experience. Okay, now, what would your advice be for people who want to experience ayahuasca? Obviously, it's illegal in the U.S. It's illegal in places like Romania. It's legal in certain other countries. How would you suggest people go about exploring this in a safe way? It is legal in Costa Rica, and there are several centers down there besides Rhythmia where people are doing this. It's legal in the rainforest, you know, in Ecuador with Lynn Twist and people like that from the Pachamama line. So I would say, check out Rhythmia. It's R-Y-T-H-M-I-A. Pretty much every single week, 52 weeks a year, there's somebody leading a group there. Many people we've heard of, Dr. Joseph Mercola, who's a wonderful you know, alternative medicine doctor. Some really highly credentialed people taking groups down there. Right now, the groups I'm taking are closed groups to just people that I'm inviting, but I'll probably open that up in a year or two. But I would check out Rhythmia. There's a place in Ibiza. I don't know the name of it, but it's a place over there where they do like multi-day journeys like they do at Rhythmia. I would say there's a lot of shamans operating under the radar. It just ask around. I know in Malibu right now, pretty much everybody's doing ayahuasca. There's people that are doing it in Greece and Spain and so forth. So if it's really something you want, you could probably just ask a lot of people who you think are 
fairly awake and conscious, and eventually you're going to find somebody who knows somebody who is doing a workshop somewhere. And the fascinating thing I got to say, Jack, is as I've been traveling through Silicon Valley and LA and meeting some incredible minds, technologists, CEOs, founders in tech, in media, one of the things that's shocking me is the sheer number of founders and CEOs who are doing ayahuasca. Yes. It was insane. I spoke to two technologists to share my vision, and I confessed to them that I got it in ayahuasca. And, you know, I was a little bit worried that they may think that it delegitimized the vision or it made me sound crazy. But two out of five founders I spoke to said, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to be doing it this month, too. They had already planned these trips. So many people are getting incredible downloads from this. It's not just ayahuasca. Steve Jobs famously said LSD was one of the top two or three most important things he did in his life. Yes. So they are interesting, creative leaps which are happening when you're able to access these altered states. In Stephen Kotler's book, Stealing Fire, he said this altered state industry is now a trillion dollar industry where people are tapping into these altered states to create, to innovate, to intuit, to improve their performance. Ayahuasca is just one of these many ways of tapping into an altered state, but definitely one of the most powerful ones. I think plant medicine is going to explode in the next few years. There's too many people, like you mentioned, that are CEOs of companies that are famous movie stars and actors, people with influence, people whose names and company names and their own reputations have so much power that will start coming to Congress and to other people. I know like just in San Francisco, there's a group of 12 psychologists and psychiatrists who are using ayahuasca with their patients, and they're getting major, major breakthroughs, therapy ending in a couple of months instead of like five years, breakthroughs for things that people thought were stuck forever. And I know there are people actively working in California to create a law that would allow it to be legal. I've heard in Berkeley and in Oakland, they've decriminalized ayahuasca. So it's still illegal federally, but no one's going to arrest you locally if you do ayahuasca or lead an ayahuasca group. So I think state by state, the same way we're seeing marijuana get legalized, eventually it'll be a, a majority. We'll start to see the same thing happening with plant medicines. And I got to say that on behalf of Mind Valley, I only recommend stuff that has truly transformed my life. I wasn't a believer in ayahuasca. For 10 years, I was not a believer. My first trip was, you know, so-so. But again, we were doing it in extreme circumstances in the jungle. But what I just experienced changed the course of my life. And now I'm definitely a believer. So thanks for reigniting that interest, Jack. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for sharing my next question that I'm going to be asking from Mother Ayahuasca when I do it again. That next question is, show me how to be radiantly alive while fulfilling my mission on earth or while fulfilling my soul's mission. Very good. And it's interesting because I describe my life purpose as inspiring people to live their highest vision in the context of love and joy. And people say, well, what's your definition of success, Jack? And I say, it's fulfilling your soul's purpose. So literally, that's what I'm about from now on is helping people fulfill their soul's purpose. So thank you for this opportunity to have a great conversation about it. That's great, Jack. Now, Jack, any closing words, any websites, things you would like people to check out? They can find me at jackcanfield.com, J-A-C-K-C-A-N-F-I-E-L-D.com. And also, I have a new book that's coming out in about a week. It'll probably be out by the time you broadcast this called The Success Principles Workbook, How to Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. And so it's based on my Success Principles book, which is now sold over a million copies in 27 languages. So it's a workbook. 
literally takes you through 17 core principles that allows you to be in a workshop with yourself. There's worksheets in the book and there's a daily exercises and all kinds of things taking you through the 17 principles that will literally take you from where you are to where you choose that you want to be as a result of going through the 17 week program. Awesome. And does the Success Principles workbook, is it applicable to you if you haven't read the Success Principles? Absolutely. We wrote it so that you didn't need the other book. It's obviously a great idea if you want to read the other book at the same time, but it's not at all required. It's a HarperCollins book. It's a great book. I'm really excited about the feedback we've been getting already from the, the reviewers that had galleys and review copies. Is It's phenomenal. So I would encourage everybody, if you haven't read the Success Principles, a lot of people call it the White Bible because it has a white cover on it. It's the Think and Grow Rich for the 21st Century, and it really has changed lives. Listen to this. There was a city in Russia where the mayor bought a book for everyone that was influential in that community, about a thousand copies in Russian, and the whole city kind of went through the book together, transformed all kinds of things, social services, school system, whatever. So literally, it is a game changer the success principles. That's amazing. And congratulations on your incredible success as an author. What is it? Chicken Soup for the Soul, 100 million copies? Well, we're actually up to 500 million copies now. I never like to interrupt people when they're doing introductions. That's it. 315 million copies just in China alone, another 100 million in India and the rest around the world. Yeah. That's amazing. That's insane. Well, congratulations, Jack. You're doing incredible work in the world. The universe obviously has your back and you have been inspiring so many people and changing so many lives, including mine. I don't think you even know the influence you've had in my life. You just gave me a great title for a book. The universe has your back. I love it. We have to write that one. <laughs> All right, my friend. Take care. I love you. Awesome, Jack. And for those of you listening to the Mind Valley podcast, thank you for listening and leave a review in the review. Mention Jack Canfield. And I will see you next week on the Mind Valley podcast. And again, you can find Jack on jackcamfield.com. And the book is called The Success Principles Workbook. Thank you. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley podcast. If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.